I'm Collier Landry, subject of the investigation discovery documentary A Murder in Mansfield. On New Year's Eve 1989, I awoke in the middle of the night to the sound of two loud thuds. The next morning, my mother was missing, but I knew she was no longer alive. No one believed me except one detective. And 25 days later, police found my mother's body buried beneath the basement floor of my father's new home he purchased for his mistress. I had witnessed a murder. And at the age of 12, I testified against my father at his months-long murder trial. He is still incarcerated to this day. I'm Collier Landry. And I'm Brenda Fisher. And this is Moving Past Murder. And we are now back, what are we, we going to call this, season two? I guess we could. Yeah, and now we have a little studio set up. Got Brenda actually in front of me now. Yes. And all that stuff. But we, we did take a small hiatus, but I have been doing other podcasts. If you check out, I was on Alexis Linkletter, Billy Jensen, and Jack Van Eck's podcast, The First Degree. Right. And uh, they did a three-part episode about me. Uh, so you can check that out. I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes for this one. Nice. So people can check that one out. That was fun. I've been on a few other ones, too. And, uh, you know, I am a cinematographer, so I have been working, as you know. Yes, you know, the work thing. You have to pay the bills. And yes. you have to... Doing podcasts <laughs> is not cheap. That's for sure. So until we, we get donations. an official... We're going to start taking donations until we have official show sponsor. Okay, so a lot has happened since our last episode. So we were not only covering some international and some national events, but we also covered things in my hometown. Yes. We had the murder of Todd Blevins by his wife, Elizabeth Harris. I guess you've been in touch with some family members there. Yes. Is that I've, correct? That is correct. I've spoken to a few family members who uh, just wanted us to know that they are all absolutely in support of Todd and what a wonderful guy he was and what a great dad. And uh, the grandparents are really rallying around those kids, um, the two children. That's wonderful. That That's were, good. you know, left behind and are now without a mom and a dad. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like they have amazing grandparents. You know, this is all about moving past murder. Yeah, and, it is. And praying for that family um, that they're able to come out the other side and recover from it. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's it's hard. And obviously, preaching to the choir, you've been through it. So, you know. I was just not fortunate enough to have family members come out of the woodwork. So it's, that is a great. Yes thing but again my circumstances are all a little wacky anyway <laughs> anyway so yeah, you know. we've recently had the conviction of robert durst in the national news yes for those of you who don't know robert durst was the subject of a documentary on hbo films called the jinx a few years back it came out in like 2015 i believe and ironically we had a very jinx moment in a murder in mansfield with the hot mic with my father talking, but it was nothing like Robert Durst's hot mic in the Jinx, which what he goes to the bathroom uh, while they're interviewing him on the final thing. And he starts talking to himself and saying, they've found me out. They know. And he's like having this conversation with himself, I guess in the mirror. And it was a total happy accident because the filmmakers didn't, they cut the camera, but the sound guy, I guess just didn't cut the sound. Yeah. For whatever reason, normally you cut the sound when somebody goes to a bathroom, but he just didn't. I don't know if it was an accident or he just was like, oh, let's just see what happens. But he was having a conversation. Wow. Anyway, so make a long story short, he finally got what, convicted? Yes, he did. And it's, you know, how many years later? It's just crazy. And now he's a geriatric and um, sure. you know, it took that long. But it's, you know, and it's funny that, not funny, haha, but just funny, crazy that, 
you know, so many cases are ironic. happening. Ironic. We call that Thank irony. You. It's irony. Yes. That's it, sir. Obviously, we have DNA and we have all these things now that can help solve a lot of crimes. We're finding out that some people have been incarcerated for, oh my gosh, you know, decades. 16, yeah, 20 years. Yeah, it's 40 in, years. It's and, insane. And it was, you know, and, it, and they were innocent. And it's like, oh, dear God. But, you know, thank God we do have um, things that have happened and technology and science that... Yeah, absolutely. Um, and people get exonerated. Now, a quick question as I play with this rubber band. Yes, sir. Um, I don't really have an analogy for this rubber band. I don't okay. know why. Um, <laughs> but you were mentioning to me something earlier about people that don't get caught when there was a yes. statistic that you shared with me. And what was that statistic? Oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. They said now it's like they have all these great statistics for all this DNA and all of that. But, still, but what's the statistic that we really want to hear about? 40% of murderers never get caught. So, and that's staggering, but then you gave is. me this sort of sliding scale thing about serial killers yes. as well. So I was reading an article, um, by Deborah Cassens Weiss. Um, and it was from the ABA journal at abajournal.com. Just want to give her some props. What there. is ABA journal? It is a dot com. It's uh, authors that, you know, put together information and stats, blogs about um, different things happening. Is in this the world. a fake news situation? It this is, can't be a fake news situation. No, it is, is not. It? No, this is actual. We like to be on top of fake news here. Stats, yes. And it says, <laughs> it says the number of serial killings surged in the 1980s and has been dropping ever since. Sure. Which, you know, of course, I think we can say DNA is a big part of that. In 1987, there were 198 separate serial killers active in the United States, if you can imagine that. Separate serial killers. Compared to only 43 in 2015, and they're saying there's only two left as of 2019, according to a database. Okay, we don't know. Now here's how here's much a couple of, of things. Here's, I think I kind of take. I want to. I want to take issue with a couple of things here. Sure. Of course, of course, I do. Of course, you do. Uh, first of all, would be okay. So, with these stats, mm -hmm. are they really? Are they really accurate? First of all, second of all, do we really want to promote? that they're not cat so are they not catching them or are they just not keeping track is this like something that's fallen by the wayside during covid they're like oh we're not going to really track the serial killers anymore because we have a bigger killer virus or i mean what do you what do you think i mean we don't want to encourage serial killers no we we don't at all sure. and i think that we have i just don't see it's a pretty steep fall off it really is and it it's I question the statistics. Seems, yeah, it seems strange. At AB Journal, ABA Journal, <laughs> ABAJournal.com. Yes, yes. I question the statistics and I want to see the references. Yeah. I want to see the footnotes to this article. Well, I will definitely share that with you. But I just thought it was really interesting because, and I think one of the things that they're using that they didn't have in the 80s is the DNA. Sure. Where they can take, you know, the DNA and compare it and where they maybe thought that it was specific serial killers or they were trying to put all these murders onto maybe one individual or two individuals and then they find out once they start running all the dna that this is a whole bunch of different people and maybe they've only you know killed once or twice or you know haven't fallen into the i believe it's 
they have to kill multiple times and it has to be more than two occurrences or something of that nature um, to be able to be considered a serial killer. Got it. Um, so you might kill two people, but they don't. So serial, so when we define serial, it has to be what? So three? Uh, well. Or more than three? It's different. Because you know, like I remember as a kid, you know, learning like what a couple meant. Right. And then a few is like right. three or more. So is it a few people that have to be killed as serial killers? Or is it like a baker's dozen situation? Well, I can give you the exact definition. When a serial killer is defined, it is as killing of three or more victims. The number, um, but it has to be in more than one occurrence. So it can be like two people and then one person and then two occurrences. And now you're in a serial. Um, so that's what you're looking at. If they just kill two people once you know, or three people want, it's still one occurrence. It's not considered a serial killer. So a mass murderer that goes into, you know, uh, you know, a concert, mm -hmm. uh, they're not considered a serial killer because they've, everyone was killed in one specific instance. A, a serial right. killer technically is someone who can, well, I guess that makes sense. If it's mm -hmm. a serial murderer, it's multiple murders over a period of time. Right. Exactly. I don't really think about these things a lot, though. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Call it's me really, crazy. I don't really always have murder on the brain. Um, well, it is interesting. And I was listening to a podcast called Serial. Okay. Um, and then um, there's a couple more out there. And I thought it was very, very interesting that... Um, and you'll have to listen. To, and there was one that I think I mentioned to you. And it was basically about a database where somebody in law enforcement came up and it, uh, it's called algorithm because they came up with an algorithm. An algorithm, yes. Yes, and they figured out that in Gary, Indiana, that they had a serial killer. And because they found this guy, they found out that he had killed even more people in different parts of Ohio, Indiana, sure, um, all the way up why to Chicago, is it always Ohio? Why Texas. is it always the Midwest? Well, now you just said Texas. That threw a little bit into it. it but Texas is so big, yeah. you could you could incorporate maybe right. part like Eastern Texas into the Midwest if it falls into that sort of central time zone, maybe. Yeah. Um, but. Why does it always have to be the Midwest? Why are there the crazy? Why does it appear to be that people from the Midwest do this, or I, or or it's or it's committed yeah. in the Midwest? Is it just because people are bored? Well, is I it, don't know. I mean, we hear a lot about Ohio. It seems like, but I, I'm I mean, I'm very disturbed by this. There's been it's, plenty in Washington State. Trust me, from that's true. my home state. You know, we had the Green River Killer and Ted Bundy and. Um, BTK, I believe, was good old BTK. Yeah, it was like, dear Lord, were these guys so bored in Washington? I can understand any murderer but... <laughs> that can that can create a, their Lord. own acronym. Yeah, is you know they've 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 done their homework. Um, interesting enough, so just to take it back a little bit, mm -hmm. you said algorithm. Yes, this has made me sort of interesting. So obviously, in this week's news, there was the woman. Hagen something, Catherine Hay, I, get, I don't know her first name, testified before Congress about Facebook and its 
algorithms and it's it also owns instagram and whatsapp but specifically instagram and how it's marketed to teenagers and things like that so mm -hmm. what i think would be interesting and you know there's a lot of a lot of a uh, kerfuffle if you will over the last several months over the incident that happened on january 6th at the capitol right, right. and who's responsible you know obviously there's some very there's very extreme people on both sides of this. They yes. blame the former president. They blame Facebook. They blame, you know, all this. I personally think with a lot of things, I, I think that we have come to a sort of crossroads in this country when it comes to social media and how are we going to handle that and what exact, how exactly do we regulate that power mm -hmm. and that these, these algorithms have right. in our life. I think it will be interesting to see as the future unfolds and as these debates become more and more to light and there's more documents shared about how these companies are analyzing people's individual metrics, right? Right. Could you, perchance, it just as a what if, what if in these situations, like they're trying to blame this capital thing on, on, on social media, if you knew of a murder or a murderer or you're starting to track algorithms these algorithms track people and their behaviors so let's just say if there is somebody that is searching a lot on serial murders right right and facebook obviously tracks. i mean look i'm a avid mountain biker so like when i go and look at mountain biking websites sure enough in my facebook feed on my instagram it's it, I, there's two things they there's three things they pitch me on all the time it's mountain biking equipment it is camera equipment or it's something in nutrition. That's it. Thank God. Cause I don't know if I can tell or health and beauty things. That's probably, yeah, that tells you about a lot about myself. Right. Right. Um, but I wonder would these algorithms start targeting people that are getting, that are really delving into this research of, uh, of, of murderers and serial murders and things like that. Because I think if that's the case, pretty much every woman in America, from the age of 18 to 55, all is going to be indicted. <laughs> that took a long time for you. <laughs> like, it wait, took a what? long time for you to, to laugh at that comment. Oh. This is not min minority report. Oh, no, but, but here's the thing. I had to think about that. For you a had second. to think about it like you were just, and it's great. Cause I'm going to play a little cricket sound underneath this and the, the audio would be, <laughs> it'll be great. What? <laughs> But when you think about it, so now, you know, and, and I've just kind of literally veered off the road, you know, to a whole other area. But when you start thinking about this, about the, because you said algorithm, and this is what kind of right. started me down this thing, this police officer with these algorithms, if they start looking at it and analyzing behaviors, right? So now they're trying to hold social media accountable, which I personally feel that companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, mm -hmm. which is owned by Facebook, of course, these social, these large social media companies, I feel like they do have a lot of onus of responsibility on them. However, at what point do we start to say that maybe, you know, people should be accountable for their own things? It, it reminds me a lot about the fast food. You know, there was a lot of kerfuffle, especially when Super Size Me came out. Where what was that? The beginning of the two thousands, yeah. mid two thousands you know, about McDonald's is, you know, so bad. And here's this, this guy who, you know, Morgan Spurler, who's a genius, by the way, genius filmmaker, but, you know, essentially spends 30 days eating McDonald's and which we, which any person with common sense knows is not a smart thing to do. Oh my God. 
you know, and, and it's like an extreme, it. and it's an extreme things. Now, a lot of that did change the fast food industry, but then there were a lot of these lawsuits. And I remember when I was much younger, I want to say when I was in high school, the person who got the McDonald's coffee or from some fast food chain that spilled the coffee, which was like, I remember when how hot that coffee would be and you put like the cream in it, it's still like <laughs> piping hot, but they spilled it and they got scarred and they got $45 million or whatever the hell it was. Like at what point do our, is the onus put back on the person to be accountable for their own decisions? Hmm. Okay. So yes, you have this wonderful re accountability, which I think me personally, I think accountability has completely been taken off the table in our society. Yeah. Honest to God. I don't. And I was telling this to a girl that I was seeing recently and she was like, you know, you sound like an old man. I probably do, <laughs> but no one is ever held accountable for anything. No, these days, it's, it feels it's like. always someone else's fault. It's someone else's fault. It's this person did this. It's, I mean, it's obviously the most prevalent in politics. We see it. You know, we have a, a current administration that blames the last administration. Right. The last administration blamed the administration before. Like nobody. Yep. And so again, comes back to this policing or this idea of perhaps policing social media to a point, which we are already doing in our cancel culture, right. obviously. Right. But now that with these new hearings and then this, the obsession over this Capitol, which was horrible, what happened at the Capitol, but who orchestrated what using what social media platform, right. uh, are social media companies going to be held accountable for individuals' actions using their accounts? I wonder. Hmm. But I mean, it, but it all kind of connects because, you know, you have people that are talking about committing crimes and maybe posting things or sharing things or searching for shovels and duct tape and you know bleach and plastic wrap and it's like wait a minute this is starting to sound like a murder kit should i maybe alert somebody or is it none of our business and we're just supposed to stay out of everybody's business you know it's like sure. one of those and if we have social media starting to police us then, you know, it's bad enough that, like you said, you do a search for a bike and then all these bikes pop up. You know, they're using that for advertising. I'm definitely committing crimes with a mountain bike, by the way. Right. You know, for but sure. you have to kind of laugh and think the person who is looking to, to murder someone or commit a crime and they're searching shovels and, you know, tasers and duct tape or, and plastic wrap all, you know, you have to think that it's popping up every five seconds in their algorithm. That also sounds like if they're searching for tasers, shovels duct tape that sounds like a cool party too oh, perhaps something. Maybe they're gonna have i don't a know party. the party i want to go but, to <laughs> but here's <laughs> the thing pass. so all this i wanted to sort of kind of like dovetail into a into the following which is there is this case that has gained all this national attention in the last month which is the missing person's case of this girl gabby gabby petito gabby petito who was, I believe, a social media influencer. Now, I don't really know what that means anymore because it seems like everybody's a social media influencer. Uh, to me, a social media influencers, usually their last name is Kardashian. <laughs> so to me, yeah. I think that's a social media well, influencer. definitely a beautiful young girl, 22 years old. You know, the guy was 23. They had been, you know, high school sweethearts. Yeah. They'd grown up together. I don't think anybody saw this coming. That's, you know, the crazy thing that they would fight. And it sounds like I was reading an article that um, in Utah, they, they were actually um, approached 
by police and he had scratches on his face sure and because she admitted she they had gotten in a fight and she had done that to him the cops made the decision you know he wasn't going to press charges had they intervened then maybe she'd still be alive but you know at the fact that uh, she was saying that she is the one who you know hit him and he wasn't pressing charges what are they supposed to do you know sure. it it's could a have sticky been situation it is and it's... look hindsight is always 2020 yeah right 2020 2020 hindsight is always yes. 2020 yes it is but the thing is the reason why i'm bringing up all the social media things is obviously to then you know dovetail with this conversation or segue into it is i wonder because from what i understand they were documenting this trip on social media this was like a yeah. social media trip like they were coming from where where were they they were from florida florida yep and they were all the hey, way hold up on, in hold on you know Utah. i just i, I want to backtrack a little bit because i am from the midwest mm -hmm. i did live in orlando florida for for a year um but i i, I don't want to just bag on the midwest and anyway i'm not bagging on the midwest i love the midwest i love being a midwestern kid uh, however, there's some wacky shit that happens in Florida too. Let's not oh, even yes. let's not even trip. So these guys are from yes. Florida, going to take a little road trip of a lifetime, document it all on TikTok, Twitter, bit, 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 you you name it, whatever. Um, I wonder how again because there's going to be all these hearings and accountabilities. I guess I guess the conversation that I want to have, and I should probably bring a social media expert on for this yes. type of thing. I we should, we be, should bring them on the show. That would be a really good, that would be good. a really good little uh, interview. But, but I think the thing is, is that at what point are you, you know, can, can the family, because they're putting it on, let's say TikTok, right? They're mm -hmm. documenting their trip on TikTok. Can the family then because Gabby Petito's family, sue TikTok because they were allowing them to document. I mean, I guess I'm really curious because obviously all sort of case law gets built. This is how case law is built in the United States, right? right. There's a precedent that's set and then that establishes, well, a precedent. Right. <laughs> so, uh, well, and then and back to, to accountability. And, yeah. And the fact that you have, you know, control of yourself. I do? You do. No. And you can turn that off and stop watching it. No, I don't because it's so addictive. Oh. Right? Oh, no. Oh, it's no. It's their fault. Yeah. See, there's, you can always turn it around and say it's someone else's fault. And I do believe with, you know, great power. I'm so glad my point landed, by the way. It did. It did. This Thank you. My, but my um, slight bit of sar snarky, sardonic sarcasm. Yeah, I'm starting to, to pick up on what you're putting down. So, you know, we're getting in sync here. But with great power comes great responsibility. Sure. So for... You know, every person that they draw into the, you know, the spiral staircase or in the, the black hole, so to speak, going down the rabbit hole, they should be doing some things that they can use their algorithms for. Like, hey, you know, maybe this guy's going to murder his wife because he's researching how to murder his wife. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, could be for, you know, a movie or a story or something of that nature, but... Can maybe someone just do a, a home health care check or something? He's and... writing a screenplay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it could happen if it's in L.A. It could be happening. But, you know, at the same time. It is Halloween, though. So people are going to be researching yeah. weird shit. 
It's kind of like the mi- Minority Report because they do have the algorithms. They do have is. some, you know, control. So why not use that, you know, if they come across something that maybe needs to be researched and they can get it in front of the right people, like, sure. you might just want to do a check on this lady because this keeps coming up from the same gentleman and um, we're a little concerned, you know. We're a little concerned. But then again, are they allowed to do that? Yeah. Is that legal? You know, they're obviously paying attention to what we're putting into the system. Sure. They're watching us. They know. But are they allowed to react to it? It's a really good point. Yeah. You know, they can definitely react to it for advertising and to sell us things. But when it comes to legal things and maybe someone getting arrested for something, is that too far? Do they turn a blind eye? Do they not want to get involved? You know, well, it's like uh, what you know, doctor-patient confidentiality, right. right? You know, if I tell my, but I think there's a loophole with that with like therapists. If you tell somebody you're gonna murder you, someone, if you, if you are planning a crime, they're somehow um, obligated to stop obligated it. to stop it. But if you tell them that you committed a crime already and it's already happened, happened they're like, ah. Nothing I can do. Yeah. I'm out, guys. Just like at the table. Yeah. Dealer's like. All done. My shift's I'm over. Out. My shift is over. Yeah. So glad you are a serial killer, my friend. Um, yeah. Please continue to message me on Talkspace if you need anything. <laughs> exactly. Ah, I have a fun, interesting semi-fact to share as well. As I was going down my own rabbit hole doing some research. Now, what, what exactly defines a semi-fact? Is this fake news? Well, no, it's it's real. And um, I actually got the information listening to other podcasts, gathering information. And I love, love, love when they do talk about what's been in the news and what's happening. And I want to give props to the gals at murder, murder news, because I was listening to their podcast this morning, murder, murder news, murder, murder news. So two murders. Yes. Two murders and one news. Got it. And they were talking about the Gabby Petito case, which I um, was really excited to hear what they had to say about it and what they'd learned. Um, But also they were referencing a park where Gabby and her boyfriend had spent the night um, camping and there were two other women found murdered there. What? Yes. Two other women found murdered there. They were camping. They were kind of living at this campground. Um, they were kind of living off the, the land, so to speak. They both worked, and they had, like, their van that they had kind of pimped out into a living space. And then they had another car. Um, and these two women, they were a couple, um, were found murdered. And they had stayed there during the same time that Gabby Petito and her boyfriend had stayed there as well. So not saying that has anything to do with the other case at all, but that is a pretty big coincidence that something of that nature happened. And, you know, kind of strange. Kind of strange. I also feel like Frances McDormand is involved somehow. For Nomadland, staying at the parks. Um, Yeah. Because she's always involved in some weird murder shit. Isn't it interesting? We got Fargo. Yeah. We have Nomadland. Yep. Even though there's, I don't think there's a murder. I've never seen I it. Think I don't think there's a murder. Those but are the, but this feels very. Oh. oh, they're from the movies. Yeah. Got it. So she just plays, you know, 
that on TV. So maybe, who knows, maybe she'll end up in the stories of what's happened here. But um, yeah, she, incredible, incredible actress, by the way. Always the best. Yeah. And fun fact, she actually went to college with one of my clients, Gabrielle Schaefer. They went to college together. Really? Yes. Well, this was fun. It was fun. Yes. I like this new setup because I, I can look yeah, at you. Yeah, you look at me. It's great. You got a camera. I got a camera. It's fantastic. I know. I stay engaged. I don't fidget. You, you, you don't fidget. You don't play on the phone. It's great. You got the yeah. computer. Now we have the computer with all the stickers. It's, yep. it's fun. Um, yes. Thank you, Brenda. This yes. was a lot of fun. This was fun. I'm Collier Landry. And I'm Brenda Fisher. And this is Moving Past Murder. Thanks, y'all. For more information, please visit movingpastmurder.com or mpmpodcast.com. The film A Murder in Mansfield is available on Investigation Discovery, Hulu, and Amazon Prime Video. This podcast is a production of Don't Touch My Radio in association with RSA Entertainment.